Just you own the show now. Oh. You okay. are the show. Yeah. I'm going to turn my laptop off. Because... Who's the major host? Major host? Major host. Um... <laughs> Sergeant host. Yeah, sergeant host. General host. I'm, yeah. I'm, Commander host. <laughs> Captain host. I like to think of myself more as a producer behind it all. Gotcha. But I I think I've taken the major host role. Gotcha. I prefer to be second in command, but He's I took definitely, too much control. Yeah, I mean, well, it was half your idea, and it yeah. was never my idea. You just asked me to be on Yeah, I asked it, you so. to take Josh's place. Josh. Josh Laskowski. He is a communications major and one of my best friends is freshman year here. A dear friend. Very cool. A dear friend. Good friend. And where is he now? He is engaged. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that explains everything. So he's too busy for me now. Yeah. Women. Those friends. In high school, we in coaching high school soccer, we used to say, uh, the fumes have got them. Uh, (laughs) First it's car fumes and then it's perfumes. Um, mm, that's, good. that's good. I like that. I'm going to use that. I'm going to put that on a bracelet. <laughs> going to keep it forever. Oh, there gosh. you go. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a natural so, kind of progression. So what is this? Pitch about scene three, take 14. Marker. This is Pitch About It, the show where we pitch stories, new and old, bad or good. We don't care. Actually, we do care deeply. Sometimes. So. Yeah. Who are you? What is your I'm label? I'm Becca Covey. Right? The, uh, wait, do I ever use my full name? I don't think you ever have. Oh, all right. Well, That's now, new. Now you all know my full name. Becca Covey, host of the show. Yeah, I'm, one of, I'm the, one of the hosts. And who's the other host? Uh, Dylan Cork, other host that's been here. You know me. If you don't know me, then stop listening. With us in studio is Audio Jake. Audio Jake was the movie of the week. The movie of the week. This week we have my second favorite movie. Oh boy. It's called That Thing You Do with Tom Hanks, Liv Tyler, and Charlize Theron. Would you like to tell us the summary? I would. It's a fantastic film. Um, It was nominated for one Oscar, but it didn't win. Uh, Let's see. The summary is... If I can get to it. So it recounts a fable of a pop rock band form a year after the Beatles took America by storm in uh. early 1964. Jazz aficionado, okay, this is kind of way too much, but uh, jazz aficionado <laughs> Guy Patterson and happily toiling in the family appliance store is recruited into the band The Oneaters, later renamed The Wonders. Okay, uh, I was gonna say. After mm. regular drummer Chad breaks his arm after Guy injects a 4 4 rock beat into lead singer Jimmy's ballad. The song's undeniable pop power flings the wonders into a brief whirlwind of success, telling the tale of many American bands who attempted to grab the brass ring of rock and roll in the wake of the British invasion. So basically, it's uh, a one-hit wonder band that took place in one summer, and it's pretty great. So you should check it out. That was Tom Hanks uh, wrote, produced, and directed, and acted in it. That's incredible. Wow, I didn't know he did all that. Interesting. Yes, that is a lot. It was uh, just before uh, Private Ryan. So check it out. I can't believe that synopsis that was do. so dramatic, though. It was pretty That's edgy. Pretty it was yeah. really dramatic. Yeah. So this week, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest. A man known for his cinematography. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> cinematography. I think every time I try to be you professional. Can't word. You Come can't on, even Rebecca. say Cinnamon. the word. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Known for his Cinnamon. <laughs> On Paper Football, Texas Rain, God's Compass, 
77 Chances, and many other films. Give it up for Douglas Miller. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> That's we had to put you. in like a clap track yeah, in this we episode. We do. We do. A little applause track. Yeah, just a, just a little one. Professor Miller, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. It's been a good day. Has it's it? It's been a good yeah. day. What have you done today? Um, I started off with the seniors in the screenplay rewrite, but we actually got off into a conversation about faith and doubt mm. and um, the role of art and um, listening and hearing celebrities who have walked away from the Christian faith mm -hmm. and um, ownership of your faith and living in a bubble like Liberty University. Yeah. Very um, much a bubble. Or a Christ any Christian university. And then when you get into the industry and people start questioning, you, you know, people who you like, people who you know, start questioning your faith. Mm -hmm. um, and that tension of faith and doubt and being honest about it, asking hard questions, the fact that God doesn't have an ego problem, he's not afraid of questions. <laughs> um, we talked about that. That's and good. Then we read a script. Um, <laughs> And just, just a casual day at, at Liberty University yeah, Cinematic you know. Arts program. <laughs> and then at 12.45, I started my first 203, which is Intro to Cinematography and Sound Design. Yes. We're doing the cinematography part. Heck yeah. And I did three of those sections, and that took me to 5 o'clock, which brought me to here. Well, hello. Yeah. So it's <laughs> been you, a good day. Are you at the point in that class where um, you have to tell a story through just sto pictures? They've already turned in Project 1. Very nice. Good. And we're now, they're doing the visual analysis paper that's uh, due this weekend. So they pick a movie and they talk uh, about the visual language. Yep. I loved that one. And then project two will be coming up after that. So they'll do another storyboard, lighting diagram. Mm -hmm. All that. Shot map. Yeah. And PowerPoint with just frames, still frames. So yeah. they got, a, the second round is coming. Mm. Um, so we're kind of at that stage of the semester. Today was color theory. <gasps> a good one. How would go on and on about color theory? Well, he loves color theory. He loves. And color I found theory. a video that um, I played today that I think he he I know he loves. He's seen yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and it's about RGB, RGBW, RGBWW. Um, it's about color rendition. And really what it is is a very practical application of everything we're talking about in terms of abstract color theory and color science. That's really cool. So it's fun. I always yeah. like when he talked about, um, I can't remember the name of the person, but the cinematographer who came up with their own. Vittorio Storaro. Yes. Yeah. For, um, was it Hero? No. no. Um, he did... One of the first films he did was The Conformist with oh, okay. Bernardo Bertolucci. And, but the one that you saw probably is The Last Emperor. Oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's the one. He also, yeah. Storaro also was the DP on Apocalypse Now with oh, okay. Coppola. Okay. So okay. he's only done a few small films. Just, just, a, just a couple. I don't remember. I should know this. Um, I don't know if it's two Academy Awards or three. Yeah. Um, Jake, do you want to fact, uh, fact check? I think it might yeah, be I can't three. Speak. You're really doing great today, aren't you? This is what the vault does to you. Yes. Yeah. And no yeah. caffeine all day. Yeah, and stress about thesis. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> there it's a lot go. of fun. So, uh, Vittorio Storaro. 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 Uh, he was nominated for Best Cinematography on Dick Tracy. Mm -hmm. But then he won uh, Best Cinematography on The Last Emperor, Reds, and Apocalypse Now. Makes sense. So he won three, nominated on four. Yes. Cool. Nice. 
that's I was I was right. You were right. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. Professor Miller knows his stuff. <laughs> Dick Tracy is a pretty amazing film in terms of color. Hmm. So it's it's an underrated film. It didn't get the press I think it okay. deserved in terms of cinematography. So it has That's... Madonna and Al Pacino. Wow. Pacino. Yeah, Pacino. I like Pacino. That kind of leads into a question that I thought I could ask you. What's your favorite film in terms of cinematography? <laughs> the I should go with probably the first thing that jumped into my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a film that probably not many people have seen. It's called The Duelists. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it yet. It's a, it's a Ridley Scott movie. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That, uh, um, that's cool. And it, Harvey Keitel and one of the Carradines. I don't think it's Keith. <laughs> not remembering. I don't remember which Carradine it is. Keith Carradine? No, uh, it is Keith Carradine. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel. 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 Sorry for correcting you. No, I can't talk. It's Do okay. it again. <laughs> <laughs> None of us can talk. We're all completely... Who was the DP on it? Incomprehensible. The yeah. DP. Working on it. Hurry up, Jamie. I'm kidding. Sorry. I'm kidding. Right beside that, though, mm-hmm. is the original Blade Runner. Oh. You want to know something funny? Yeah. What? I watched that for the first time last night. We were just talking really? about it, actually. Yes, yeah. we just were talking about it before mm-hmm. you came That's in That's in my top 10 films. Wow. On overall favorite films. I that really, really enjoyed Jordan it. Jordan Cronenworth is the DP for that. Okay. I think maybe my first time hearing anything about or like seeing any of the visuals from that movie was in Professor Miller's class. Really? The 203 class. You've yeah. never seen the visuals? I'd never seen anything from it before. I'd heard of it, but I'd never always seen, seen like the famous shots of the buildings with the yeah that's what i saw skyscrapers and everything but i really liked like the the scenes in his apartment yeah Yeah, the interiors the interiors are amazing and the (laughs) the rich guys interiors oh Oh, yeah oh my god the owl oh my gosh yeah oh my my goodness so who was the dp yeah jake on the do list frank tidy oh not a well-known name. Yes, it sound, his last name sounds like it would be a brand of underwear, actually. <laughs> or a surface cleaner. Yeah. Don't eat your Tide Pods, Sorry. kids. I'd eat my Tide Pods. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> Unless they're like half dissolved, then you just let it go. Yeah. 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 What is it about? Is it the color in Blade Runner? Like everything, sort of? The story of the Duelist, um, it takes place in, it starts off before Napoleon in France. Okay. And the Carradine and Keitel are in the army. Mm-hmm. And too many people are, too many of the officers in the French army are dueling and killing each other. And so they, they put out a, a law or a rule saying that you can't duel anyone who is either above you or below you in oh. terms of rank. You can only duel wow. people that are at the same rank. Interesting. And Keitel... His character just loves dueling people and killing them, <laughs> and so he's constantly like my kind of movie. <laughs> he's constantly challenging Carradine, but and they're traveling up together, but they just miss each other through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like my dad and his friends. And then at the end, after the French Revolution and after Napoleon, um, the Carradine character has retired to a farm, mm-hmm. and the Keitel character finds him and challenges him to a duel. <gasps> And the Carradine character agrees to do, basically, they duel by 
with pistols Ooh. in the woods. And so one character comes in from one side of the woods and the other one comes in from the other side of the woods. The ultimate battle royale. Yeah. I like that. That sounds really good. And, and it's beautiful. There's a, a duel with sabers on horseback in a, an aspen <laughs> forest. That's oh nice. Yeah. That's it's, nice. There's just some amazing, amazing cinema. And there's a winter scene in Russia when Napoleon went into Russia and was defeated. And wow. yeah, there's just some some wonderful scenes. It's a great mm. period piece. All right. I'd love to see like the John Wick franchise stop for mm -hmm. 10 years and then end with The Duelist. <laughs> there you go. That would be hilarious. I think period pieces are some of the most interesting, oh, the interesting ones. like movies in terms of cinematography because it has you have to utilize everything within the it's, scene. It yeah. really is visual storytelling. Yeah, mm -hmm. the ultimate. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you know that we don't have any segments anymore as no of this segments. episode. No segments. Because time doesn't exist on this episode. Thus, you can't know what time? news is going on. I hardly but... know her. No, it's Miller. I hardly know her. <laughs> but now it's time for our favorite segment, the only one that stayed. Relationship advice with Professor Miller. Jake, are you going to play a theme or no? Professor Miller, hit us with some of that relationship advice. Um... Not intending to be controversial. Ooh, do Excellent. it, do it. We love controversy. <laughs> but I think Christians in the church have really screwed up when it comes to male-female relationships. I Amen, agree. Um, <laughs> dating, I think, is antithetical to Christianity. Hmm. And I think what we've tried to do is either make it acceptable, which is... You know, the, the world's definition of dating just isn't acceptable. You know, when people say, oh, they're dating. Um, you know, there's an understood of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And the understood is not something that people should be doing. Um, I believe that there are boundaries that need to be respected, but the physical boundaries are actually the least important ones. The most important ones are spiritual and emotional. And when you transgress those boundaries, the physical one falls really easily. Mm -hmm. So maintaining the spiritual and the emotional boundaries, you don't get to the physical boundaries and you can respect one another. The other side of that is I also don't think, well, courtship and yeah, I, that just gets twisted and very legalistic and weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think men need to understand women because we don't and women need to understand men because they don't mm -hmm. so how do you do that well you get to be friends friends first well and, mm. and i think the easiest thing to maintain these boundaries for guys what i tell guys i actually have done a little bit of premarital counseling and i've actually been cool. licensed and married a few people mm. and what i tell people is i tell guys this all the time Remember that her mother or her father is the creator of the universe. <laughs> Forget the guy with the shotgun. <laughs> You're talking about her father being the creator of the universe. So treat her with respect. Because the creator of the universe has a lightning bolt. Well, 
and he knows he knows more of what's going on in your heart <laughs> so treat her with respect and you know we should I think scripturally, we should approach one another as, as brother and sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. And if God chooses to develop romantic feelings and develop the relationship in that way, then great. But you know, if He doesn't, you're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we should maintain each other's dignity yeah, and yeah. maintain each other's um, honor Definitely. to one another. And, but that doesn't mean we don't talk. That doesn't mean we don't spend time together. That doesn't mean we get to understand, not, you know, to understand one another because the genders are different. I think one of the problems that we have today in terms of transgender and homosexuality is the church hasn't been the church. We haven't been the salt and the light. We mm. haven't loved people. Mm-hmm. True. And we've narrowly defined and we've judged and we haven't approached people and seeing them as God sees them. Mm-hmm. So my probably best advice is look at one another and try to see one another as God sees the other person and love them and treat them with respect and honor. A single tear was shed by the host. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record Is show. that the best relationship advice segment we've had or the I, second best because you said Corralis was Corralis was pretty good oh Corralis is great yeah <laughs> maybe second no first best his was second best <laughs> all right they're pretty close all right it's like a point one I gotta go back difference. and listen to that it's once pretty, it's out it's actually pretty funny he compares it to like forcing people to watch movies he's like you can't force somebody like you just just the same way you can't force somebody to like your favorite movie. Mm. And I was like, wow. One of the things I, ha- I have to, okay, just like um, I believe that a maturity in terms of movies, we all start, or I see students start this way, and anyway, I think we all start this way, mm-hmm. where we look at a movie and we go, oh, that must be a good movie because I really like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then we go from that and we defend the movie. We say, oh, it's great. We defend it to the death, even if it's a really horrible movie mm. then we oh, moved, certainly done it many times oh gosh yeah <laughs> and then, then we move to it's a good movie therefore i like it <laughs> Ooh. and that's which some isn't people, always accurate no, no and some people kind of get fixed in that mm-hmm. position pretentious people and then they okay. end up defending movies that they really no. don't like mm-hmm. and they act like they like them mm. but they really don't like them they're yeah. bored to tears but they see oh that's a really good movie yeah and then I think the last stage we come to is, and there's a, a coin flip, it can go either way. It's either, I like it, but I know it's a horrible movie. Yep. Or I don't like it, but I know it's a really good movie. Yeah. I have yeah. My, my two separate lists of like <laughs> when people ask me, what's your favorite film? I'm like, well, there are these, which are objectively not that great. But subjective, but I like them. I like them. <laughs> and then there are these that are like known critically to be good, and I also like them. <laughs> well, one of the things I do in 203 is I do an un, ungraded quiz, which is write oh, your top yes. 10 list. Yeah. Mm, you do mine. that? Yeah. I make them do I that. I wish I'd take it. That actually helped me a lot you. in like perceiving how I. Mm-hmm looked at films and what films I watched. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole point of it, if yeah. you remember, is 
is not what's on the list. The whole point is the process that you go through to make the list. Exactly. Yes, the yeah. thought process behind yeah. it. What makes yeah. it a, what makes a film get on the top 10? Yeah. Maybe it's in the top 20, but it doesn't quite make the top 10. Well, why? Yeah. Hmm. You know, and so thinking that through I think is really critical. I had a lot of fun with that assignment cuz yeah. I remember I remember my classmates in that class going there's no way we can make a top 10 list. And I had like nine already. I was like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> wow. You really well, you had it down. The other thing I love about that, we go around and we read, if you remember, everybody reads their list. Yeah. And so you got 20, 25 people in this class and everybody's reading their list. And somebody up here reads it and somebody in the, oh, I forgot about that movie. Yeah. Oh, that's a great movie. Or this one like person's everyone, like, ah, that one sucks. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> everyone's remembering the movies that they love. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. I remember one of my classmates was like, How to Train Your Dragon, and the entire class goes, Oh man, we forgot that one. Yeah. yeah. Like the entire <laughs> class at once. Yeah. There's always that one movie. And I think that's the one that I get to go, Yeah, did you know that Roger Deakins worked on that? Yep. Yeah. He did. Mm-hmm. Very good. My man. Very nice. Yeah. Roger Deakins. And by that time, they most of the class doesn't go. Who's Roger Deakins? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, but they already know by that point in time that Roger Deakins is amazing. Yeah, the only cinematographer. <laughs> so, what is your process in deciding your top ten list? And what are some of the movies that make it? It's personal and emotional, and it has a lot to do with where I was when I watched it. Ooh, yeah. um, it's like a top song list for me. Well, there's a lot of relationship between movies and music. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, you know, in the way we engage music. I believe that movies, <laughs> and we won't go into this today because I don't really want to, but I don't believe <laughs> there are spoilers, mostly because mm-hmm. I believe that movies and music are both experience. Yeah. Mm, you very experience true. that. They're both time-based art forms. Um, part of my MFA is studying time-based art forms. And the, the psychological, phenomenological experiencing of a time-based art form, it unfolds in front of you, it unfolds, in, and you're experiencing it, you're moving with it. Yeah. Um, and so my top 10 list is those movies that I have experienced and have been powerful enough to change my world and transform me. Yeah. Um, I think that we should have a Christian film theory. Um, I'm actually (laughs) working on a a blog and part of it is, I think this kind of was motivated out of teaching at another university where everybody during the eight, 2000s, the aughts, um, everybody in Christian film was going, Oh, redemptive, redemptive. Christian film has to be redemptive. And then what happened was when it was only Christian film was only redemptive, (laughs) either everything was redemptive. Or nothing was. Well, or nothing was, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, you stretch the definition. Well, it, it redeems the audience. Oh, the character is redeemed. Well, well, no, the story overall is redemptive. It's like, give me a break. Um, or it was so narrow, you have to have um, an altar call at the end and have somebody pray the mm-hmm. sinner's prayer oh in order for it to be Christian and be redemptive. Um so that left me really cold. And so I started thinking about a Christian film theory. And I think there are four lenses. Redemptive is one of them, but transformative, mm-hmm. transcendent, and devotional hmm. are lenses that I think we need to use to understand and analyze films. One of the most Christian films I have ever watched, and I think is is amazingly transformative, is the Liam Neeson 
uh, version of Les Miserables. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. It's mm -hmm. incredibly powerful. The whole story is powerful, but yeah. that version is, is, is amazing. Yeah. So when we look at things, I think we need to not, you know, there's also in Christian film circles, there's a, a pressure of, well, was it made by a Christian? <laughs> mm -hmm. I have a problem with that only because scripture says that no one knows a man's heart. It's mm -hmm. true. So how do we make a judgment about whether it was made by a Christian or not? Mm. And Christian films has become too much of a marketing tool. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> and I think... Oh, my goodness. I think your generation in particular is incredibly cynical to that. And so it's no longer valuable. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the power that it once had. No. No. And it's, it's even worse because we go into it with an already negative view expectation. and expectation. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like fast food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we know what we're getting. That same label. Yeah. 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 And sometimes you want fast food. Yeah. Mm. But, it's, <laughs> goes, mm. but it's not gourmet. No. See, you weren't in my 203 class because otherwise you'd know that I think I, I, oh, look, here we go. I look at um, fast food as proof that Americans have no taste. I agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, if, if we did, if we were in touch with our taste... McDonald's wouldn't be a multi-million dollar corporation. True. Yeah, we don't go to McDonald's because it's gourmet and tastes wonderful. Right. But, you know. You hate me. I hate you so much. We're also, Americans are anesthetized. We're out of touch with our taste buds and we're out of touch with our emotions. Oh, so true. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. Yeah, and it's really hard when you're an artist and you're a writer, you're a filmmaker, you're a painter. Yeah. Because visual art in particular is, it traffics on the imagination and emotion mm -hmm. more than the intellect. Yeah. 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 And when Americans are, and yeah, that's why so many Christian filmmakers are all tied up in the plot and what happens. <sighs> oh my gosh. And they miss, <laughs> they miss the story. Yeah. yeah. Like all of that. All of that is just... <laughs> I can't even like, because I, I totally like agree with all of it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So then my question, Professor Miller, is what drink? is the difference between plot and story? So much. Ooh. So <laughs> my mantra is story drives script. And script is, and plot is outlined in script. Mm-hmm. And script drives camera, camera drives, or script drives blocking, blocking drives camera, camera drives lighting. All of that comes back and expresses the story. Story is bigger than the plot. Plot is what happens. Yeah. I think it... Go ahead. I'm starting to think about it, and it's like, looking back at like any of the movies I really like, it's not because of the stuff that necessarily happens in the plot, it's because of the vibes I get from the characters. It's the feeling. It's yeah. the story, not the yeah. plot. Yeah. Well, once you actually start to think about it. Without getting terribly academic, um, have you ever looked looked at those star maps that show you Orion and Orion's belt mm -hmm. and the Big Dipper? Mm -hmm. But then yeah. the, the more complicated ones, um, Aries and all the different Libra. Yeah, you know, Libra and yeah. Sagittarius and yep. Capricorn and all of that. And you see these these dots that are the stars. 
and you go, all I see is dots. And then someone connects them all and you go, oh, there it is. There yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. Well, the plot are all the stars. Mm -hmm. The story is when you connect all the stars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you see the whole thing. And sometimes you don't see all the connections, but you see enough of them that you understand it and you experience. And that's yeah. all experiential. Yeah. And that's where the transformation of the audience happens, hmm. is in that connection. Agreed. So thanks for asking the question. Thanks for answering the question. <laughs> I have a very, very off-topic question. Is it? When's the last time you shaved your beard? <laughs> Clean-shaven, skin, yeah. no stubble, nothing? Mm-hmm. Do you need the month or can I just give you the year? Either year. is fine, but the years is fine. 1982. Wow. Oh wow. For the listeners, we will provide whenever we post this episode an image of his beautiful stash and beard. It's iconic at this point. Now, yeah. the, now the mustache, that's yes. a different date. Oh. What's the date on the mustache? Summer of 1973. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. Awesome. The beard, I shaved it to get married. Aww. Big sign. Actually, my wife didn't want me to shave it. Right. Oh, But Obviously. it was the last thing I did for my mother because my mother hated <sighs> my beard. Oh, my God. And so I shaved it. So all the wedding pictures, I'm clean shaven. I have a mustache, but I don't have a beard. Mm -hmm. um, That's weird. Both my wife and I were working on a soap opera at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was getting, I was a lighting designer and I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning and going in and working, mm -hmm. um, lighting the show. And so we came back from our honeymoon. And I think two weeks later, I stopped shaving. And because putting a sharp piece of metal against my throat at 4.30 in the morning was it's really not, not a good idea. Not smart. No. no. I know from experience. Yeah. It's not a good idea. No. Not a good idea. So I grew a beard. Um, yeah. I don't know if I grew a beard or I just stopped shaving. Either way. Either way. Here yeah. you are today. Now the mustache, I grew... After my senior year in high school and yep. before my freshman year in college. Wow. That's exactly when you grow a stash. And I had Good it all idea. through that freshman year. Mm -hmm. And I came home after that freshman year in college and I looked at my face and I said, I haven't seen my upper lip in a year. <laughs> I wonder what it looks like. And so I shaved off half of it <laughs> and instantly realized this was stupid. <laughs> Yeah. Shaving half of it means all of it. Ooh, obviously. And as soon as I, at the first stroke of taking off half the mustache, I realized I hated it. And so I cut the whole thing off and then instantly grew it back. And that was the summer of 1973. Nice. Okay. Absolutely beautiful saga. That's exactly when you grow a stash. The too. Miller mustache. And then you always yeah. come back after that, after that first year and you go, yeah. it's time. I got to get rid of this. And then you're like. Regrets. Why? I miss my stash. You miss your stash? I had a good, pretty decent stash. stash. It wasn't a good stash. It was a decent one. Okay. If, if I would have kept going with it, it could have been something. You should have. Well, and that's it. what takes. It just takes. Keep going. Yeah. Big sound. All right. I must stash you a question. Oh, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> um, what's your favorite production you've ever worked on? Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> God has been so good to me. Um, there's so many, so many productions that I've worked on that have yeah. been fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
it you know the so i have to go like it, the earlier question and i went with what my gut feeling was mm-hmm. with the duelist mm-hmm. um it probably is a film that i shot um called promises kept and it was with a director Kenny Jackson it was the second film i did with him the first film we did and we did both films for CBN for the Christian Broadcasting Network oh yeah mm-hmm. and the first film we did was a retelling of the prodigal son and it was set in contemporary nigeria Ooh. and the prodigal son comes to america loses all his fortune in new york goes back his father runs a shipping oil tanker shipping company mm-hmm. out of legos and he gets a job on one of the his dad's tankers and goes back to legos and his dad greets him and yeah you know the story yeah <laughs> um, so that was the first film kenny did that i shot with kenny then the second film we did we shot in india Ooh. um we spent time in mumbai Cool. And the story is about a uh, greater story. Two boys grow up together in Mumbai or in India, and they separate. One of them uh, becomes an owner of a company. Mm-hmm. The other one um, works his way up and comes back to Mumbai. They run into each other. Oh, cool. They, he starts working for him. They have lunch together, and the one dad says to the other one, Um, If something ever happens to me, they both are widowers. And the one guy says, if something happens to me, do not let my daughter be taken by my wife's family. And of course, right after that, he gets killed in a train accident. Obviously. He gets, a fight breaks out on a train and he gets pushed out of the train. For plot Um, reasons. For plot reasons. For plot reasons. (laughs) Of course. Um, That's intense though. I was like, how how weird is this? How you know? And I asked one of the Indian crew people, you know, is this practical? You know, mm-hmm. Is this believable? You know, is this kind of stretching it and weird? And he goes, no. People die in Indian trains every day. Wow. All right. Well, they don't have any doors. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That'll it, do it. It's not like a subway yeah. system in New York. Um, so, anyway, that happens. The one, the guy kind of adopts, brings the girl in. She's kind of a brat and really doesn't, yeah, doesn't understand what's going on. Um, the uncle from the wife's family comes and wants to get her and put her in prostitution. Um, the adoptive father kind of protects her. Yeah. He ends up sending her away to London. Um, she, while she's in London, she's in a car wreck and almost dies. And she realizes how much. Her adopted father loves her and is protecting her. She goes back to Mumbai. In the process, the uncle almost kills the adopted father. This Um, is dramatic. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) And it's it's about promises. It's about God loving us and laying his life down for us and protecting us, even when we don't appreciate it or know it. Yeah. So it was an adventure um, shooting in London and shooting in Mumbai. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. sounds amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. (laughs) Wow. So I think that was a great experience. I mean, <laughs> can't beat it. Well, I've got a bunch of other ones that come got, real close. Oh. Yeah. All right. All I right. did a couple films that aired nationally on PBS. Um, one of them, I didn't realize it, but I knew both of them had been um, in public schools and had been shown to 
junior high school and sixth yeah. grade, seventh grade, eighth grade kind okay. of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is about a grandfather's tale called Mudsmeg. And another one is about, um, it's Willa, an American Snow White. It's Snow White set in 1919, 1920. Interesting. And they're, they're both really interesting films. Um, Mudsmeg, though, scarred this one young lady. Um, <laughs> oh, I think you told me about this. To such an extent that when I showed clips of it in my cinematography class, she freaked out because it brought back memories. memories. Yeah. Because um, it's about a witch and a giant and the cannibals. Um, makes sense. How do you spell it? Mutzmeg, M-U-T-Z-M-E-G, I think. M-U-T-Z. Oh, there, oh, there it is. Yeah. I have like a kind of vague memory of this potentially. Because now that you mention it. it. It's lots and lots of people have seen it. Becca's just repressed those memories for reasons. I repressed. Do you know the the movie Hachi about the dog? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lillian McSweeney mentioned it on the last podcast. And uh, I had a bit of a reaction. So oh, no. I'd forgotten that she it existed. She ended up crawling under the table. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Because she kept describing it. And I was like, no, 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 no. I forgot about it. It was quite oh, yeah. entertaining. That's very funny. So I kind of want to watch it now. Let's make. Let's have a movie. I've night. never seen it. Let's have a movie night. Okay. I don't. Know. I don't know how available it is. <gasps> we'll find it. All <laughs> oh, right. Hey, it's still monetized. Considering the fact That's that we pretty good. well, considering the fact that we made it in like the early nineties. Wow. That would be the early nineties. Yeah. yeah. So. I was, I'm still thinking about this because I don't ever move on to the next topic ever. But I was <laughs> no, thinking about like the fact topics. that you shaved for your wedding. Yeah, I'm still on it. Oh, my goodness. How did you meet your wife? What's the story? Um, we have two ways of telling that story, both of which are true. Oh. But they're two very different ways. It's always different. Right. And two things can be true at the same time. Exactly. Sure, um, One of them is we met at a car wreck. Okay. And, and the other one is that we met on a soap opera. Which one do you think was is the more entertaining story? Was it a car wreck on a soap opera? <laughs> so when you change characters, actors who play characters on a mm-hmm. soap opera, usually what happens is, you know, either you kill somebody mm-hmm. um, or they end up in a terrible accident oh or goodness, disease terrible. and they go to hospital. And when they mm-hmm. come out of hospital, they're somebody different. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> they're horribly disfigured. They yeah. So Obviously. the producers wanted to change actresses on one of the leads in the soap opera that my wife was the associate producer for. Mm-hmm. And I was lighting designer on. <laughs> and so what happened was um, a character, they're coming back. She and her boyfriend are coming back from college and a crazy character who had been introduced a couple episodes earlier is trailing them and forces them off the road and they oh, their yeah. Volkswagen Beetle goes tumbling down a hill. Oh my goodness. And they Having end up in the hospital. Flashbacks. <laughs> and then um, she goes, the character goes into the hospital as a five foot nine brunette and she comes out a five foot four blonde. <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me. So they change actors. Um, And that shooting that scene of the Volkswagen rolling down the hill Mm -hmm. is where I met my wife. Where 
we we knew of each other because we were working in the same control room, we right. were working on the same show, yeah. but we actually spent time and talked to one another there. All right. And that's when we started right after that. Um, I got a horrible case of chiggers because I was in the ditch with the Volkswagen. Makes sense. <laughs> along with a number of other people. Um, and what an I, experience. I had to walk to the pharmacy from the house I was living in. And that actually took me past the house she was living in. What? You guys are in the same neighborhood? We were about 300 feet apart. <laughs> and we didn't know it prior to that. That's adorable. I didn't know it prior to that. And so... A surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. <laughs> exactly. And we ended up talking and... Yeah. 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 And the rest is history. Well, not quite. But uh, well, that was like June or July. What? I was just going to clarify for your... For our... Uh, West Coast audience. Chiggers are a uh, <laughs> small red uh, insect that bites and it hurts and itches like heck. So it, it burrows into your, your skin yeah. and your flesh. It's I did not time. know they existed until I moved to Cincinnati. So, oh, uh, yeah. oh wow. Our They're West Coast audience. You. Well, see, I didn't know about it until I moved to Dallas. <laughs> Makes really? Okay, I'll still get you. I'll get you. I didn't know because we didn't have it in Buffalo. Yeah, I think it'd be too cold up there. Probably. It's a little yeah. too cold for that, yeah. Too but Dallas and Texas, that was my introduction <laughs> to chiggers. We have the they wildest bugs. Texas, I love Texas, except, except for, for bugs. reptiles and yeah. fire bugs. ants. There we go. Fire ants? I fell in a fire ant Killer pile. Killer bees, uh, fire ants, chiggers. Good times. Do you know how much I, I as a kid, would just get a hose and just spray water, uh, fire ants for like hours I just because I thought it was funny. Where are you from? I'm from Ohio, but my grandparents lived in Mississippi. Oh. So I would travel down there during the summers and, and I found a way onto their ants. roof and I just had the hose and I was like, what else am I going to do? I'm five years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's, That's what I did. All right. That's so great. you said that the rest was not history. Well, the the rest is for the next time we have one on the podcast. No, we have to know. I want to know. <laughs> Let's just say I asked her to marry me five times. Oh. Oh, my goodness. She said oh. no four times. Wait, only five times? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good rate. <laughs> is this normal? Gives me a little hope. <laughs> for men? <laughs> Look, I'm only on time three. Like, I just got oh. two more times. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Josh is never going to marry you. It's too late for us. It's over. Rest in peace. Um, so normally we have a pitch on the show. Mm-hmm. Have you prepared one of any sort? Sort of. Ooh. Would you like to pitch about? You don't it? have to unless you. Well, want you don't to. have to. I have got some questions. Okay. Mm-hmm. What kinds of things should I? What What would you like me to pitch? Whatever you. I like have to pitch. several things that I could pitch. Give us the options, and we'll flip a coin. Um, We're all just flip Becca. That works. Yeah. Short film. Okay. Okay. Feature length film. Okay. Feature length film. I've got a comedy and I've got a historical drama, a period piece. Um, I've got um, actually two period pieces, a novel, Ooh. Um, a short story. What are you guys' votes? I'm down for comedy always. I think that would be interesting. I didn't really see you as a comedy kind of guy. But yeah, I want to see your comedy. The feature comedy. comedy. All right, all right. Okay. Uni- cool. It's unanimous then. Let's do it. <laughs> so appearances always are not reality. Always. 
college town, law students, a group of guys all live in the same house. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our guys, our main guy, is um, basically a really sweet guy, nice guy, jeans, t-shirt, mm-hmm. law student, but jeans, t-shirt. Um, he's dating a young lady who is from a very working class kind of family. Mm-hmm. And she's all, she's very ambitious. He's not terribly ambitious. Mm. Um, She's first was attracted to him because he's going to be a lawyer. I mean, what else are you going to not be attracted to him? Well, that's what my parents always told me. He's a really nice guy. Go for the lawyers. He's going to be a lawyer. Lawyer. But then she finds out that he doesn't really want to be a corporate lawyer or make a lot of money. Mm. He he wants to do pro bono and be a public defender. Oh. Oh. So he's a really nice guy. But by that time, she kind of really likes him. But he's got a roommate who always wears a suit and tie mm-hmm. and drives a Mercedes, um, a very classic Mercedes We'd convertible. We love to see it. <laughs> and they go through the whole thing. Um, the dad, there's a whole lot of um, interesting communication between her dad and our main character mm-hmm. um, that kind of is working out of is he going to be able to support the daughter and right. the whole deal. Then um, he actually, there's a, a scene very much like Casablanca where he takes her out to dinner, dresses up. Um, but he doesn't, the way, she doesn't expect him to actually do it. So she doesn't get dressed up. Oh, he no. shows up at the house with the Mercedes <gasps> and in a, a white tux and very formal with flowers. <laughs> and she is in sweatshirt and sweatpants. <laughs> uh... And he doesn't let her change. <laughs> and he takes her to a five-star restaurant. Oh, no. And they, you know, the, the waiters and everybody's like, Oh, what? What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> and right. the audience sees that the waiters and the people at the restaurant know him. Mm-hmm. And oh. you think, well, maybe it's because, um, you know, he set the reservation and he's and he's talked mm-hmm. to them. Um, but there's something more going on. Um, she actually, at that point, there's some stuff going into it. I've jumped ahead a good bit. Um, he proposes. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, she's still kind of reluctant because she wants to marry someone who can keep her in the lifestyle she wants to be accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Sweatpants and sweatshirts. Yeah, well, and that's kind of his point was like. Excuse? Yeah, you don't live that way. Why are you? Yeah. But mm-hmm. she actually does say yes. Um, and they get married and they go on their honeymoon and they go to this huge, wonderful mansion. Mm-hmm. And she thinks it's the guy who owns the Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And she wakes up the next morning after they've arrived there and the phone rings. And um, it's revealed that he actually owns the mansion. He owns the Mercedes. What? And he's incredibly wealthy. What? I like that. That is so awesome. That's great. I like that. So like quick. It. I like it. I, I like, like that it. One. I like it. It's fun. I watch it. It's fun. Yeah. Fun and games ensue. 
As comedy does. I almost, see, I thought about halfway through, I'm like, oh, I've predicted it. He did pro bono work for all these people. And it's doing this twist. But no, it was a different twist, which right. I like. Yeah. Well, it makes way. sense. I think I've noticed that a lot of people that are wealthier, like, just don't have so much ambition because they just, like, have already done it. You know what I mean? Well, do you, okay, so part of this, mm-hmm. um, what part of, you're Houston. San Antonio. San Antonio. Same thing. Sorry. Forgive me. It's okay. No, there's a I'm big difference. I know, I know, I know. I just wanted to insult it. So in Dallas, mm-hmm. um, I lived in Dallas for six years, five years. Um, in Dallas, there's Highland Park mm-hmm. and University Park. Mm-hmm. And I was um, a disc jockey on a radio station in Dallas for okay. about six, eight months. Yeah. And my program director was from a family, old money family from university, I think, no, maybe it was Highland Park. DBU? Um, no, but yes. Um, he actually had been a personal assistant to the um, Mr. Hunt. Mm. Ooh. Not the two sons that you would know, but their father. Okay. So the ultra rich so guy. Mr. Mr. Hunt. And I, I'm this poor dairy farmer from upstate New York. <laughs> Yeah. But for some reason, he liked me. Yeah. And we'd go out to dinner, and I, he, he introduced me to his parents, and they liked me. They invited me to parties. Um, you know, I, so, and I'm like, Dor, why do, why do these people like me? And so, because you're honest and genuine, and they can't buy you. It's true. And uh-huh. it's like, okay, I'll buy that. And <laughs> I'll buy in- that. <laughs> yeah. You're intelligent. You can have conversations with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Old money, rich people are more about quality. You know, nouveau rich people are, you know, very flashy and materialistic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when I lived in, I lived in West Texas in between Lubbock and Middle and Odessa for mm-hmm. a while. <laughs> a little call, town called Seminole. That's. A tiny little speck on the map. That's and this is tiny. in the 70s when it was oh, really oh tiny. My, oh my mm-hmm. goodness. But there's this guy that we would see at breakfast at this cafe all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was always in coveralls and he looked like a dirt farmer. Yeah. And then we got told that he was probably one of the richest people in Texas. Yeah. Because he owned property in West Texas that was oil property. Oil oh, money. And his family, his family had owned it for years. Oh, Do you want to know something sad? <laughs> But this guy was really, really nice. We had a great time yeah. with him, joking and laughing and oh, telling yeah. jokes. Oh, yeah. And my, you never uh, know. My grandfather's side, so my, da- my dad's dad, his family owned a peanut farm. They were like dirt poor peanut farmers when mm-hmm. my grandpa was a kid. And eventually they sold the land when they were, you know, moving more into the city kind of of Austin. And... um the person who bought it found oil on it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Big sign. Very common story, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You yeah. either, you hit oil and you don't have to ever worry about anything else in the, for the rest of your life. Or you, you, you just don't and you're just a regular person. person. You're a regular little person. But, like, I always think about what would have happened and, like, if my dad would be different, because he would be, he he would be very different. Undoubtedly, if he grew up, yeah, like that. Um, yeah, and my. But you know, people you know. are people. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's I, I think old money, 
is okay and no money is okay. Yeah. It's new money. Mm-hmm. That's a that's little difficult. scary. Well, that's uh, there was a Bible teacher that, you know, believe it or not, this all works with writing. It's <laughs> understanding people. Yeah. Um, there's a Bible teacher that I listened to back in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> and he said that no one has a money problem. That everybody actually has a God problem. Mm-hmm. And that explains why athletes or rap artists or musicians make millions and millions of dollars and go bankrupt. Yeah. It's not that they don't have enough money. And then there are little old ladies with gray hair who have no visible means of support. And you can't think, how do they, how do they keep things together? Yeah. And they're fine. They're perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. One has enough God and the other one has the wrong God or not any God. Yeah. 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 So it's not about money. It's really about God. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lot harder to look for God when you have like a lot of materialism already it, in your well, life. You get clouded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think James K. A. Smith says, you. we're not, it's not, I think, therefore I am. It's I love and that's what I become. It's true. And if um, you think that we become what we love, then the, the verse about the love of money as the root of evil mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. sense. But then all the verses about love the Lord your God. Yeah. Because how are we transformed? What's the mechanics? How are we transformed into the image of Christ? It makes sense to me that we love God, we love Jesus, and that's how we're changed. Yeah. That's how we're changed into the image of Christ. You don't love God, you don't, you're not going to be changed into the image of Christ. Yeah. You know, you can say you love him, but, you know, are you walking it out? Is it really happening? You walk in the walk you know, or you just talk to the, the talk. talk. <laughs> As filmmakers and artists, we need to see people and understand them and see beyond the surface, see yeah. deeper yeah. than the surface. Yeah. And it takes time. Yeah. 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 Did we? Oh, go ahead. Do you have any other questions before we lead into our final question? What's the final question? You already know the final question. Oh, okay. So I have another one final. Uh, before the final question, how did you get your start in film? <laughs> do you want the funny answer? You want the accurately funny answer? Both. Okay. So um, in high school, I was an advanced math science student. I was I was a horrible student. I was a really <laughs> solid C. Um, C's get degrees. That was in high school, though. Yeah. I graduated 150th out of 300-ish people. Um, I was smack in the middle. Average. But I was in advanced math science. And I was in a chemistry class, and we were doing titrations. And I turned to my lab partner, whose name was Carrie, and I said to her, I want to do something that has nothing to do with math or science. I'm going to be a disc jockey. And... (laughs) So I kind of sort of pursued that a little bit. And then I went to college and studied radio and television. Mm -hmm. And um, I had done theater in high school. So lighting for TV came very easy. Yeah. And then I was doing uh, lighting for rock and roll concerts. Um, One of the first concerts I worked on was with the Pointer Sisters. um, And they were teenagers at the time. Wow. And then... Finished college in Buffalo and worked for stage crew um, for Harvey and Corky Productions and did stage crew. Um, oh. Got in, 
I had a lot of friends who were really much better at it than I was, but I did lighting um, kinds of things there. Yeah. And all the time I was um, writing, mm -hmm. I was the editor-in-chief of the Creative Arts Magazine at Buffalo State when right. I was there, did poetry, poetry readings. Oh, yeah. Did, I remember you telling someone. Did all of that kind of a thing. And so I told God I wanted to be a writer, and he heard that I said lighter. <laughs> Good one. They said hardly know her. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I moved to Dallas, um, I worked in the radio, and then I went out to West Texas, and I came back to Dallas and got a job at a TV station and ran into the lighting director at the TV station, and he said, um, do you know anything about follow spots? And I said, um, xenons or arc or what? And he said, incandescent. And I said, sure. And he said, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, I don't know. And he said, do you want to make some money? And I said, sure. Ooh. Oh and no, said, of course. It's a gateway drug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I became really close friends and he became my mentor Aww. and he taught me lighting for television and film. Cool. And I worked in Dallas on films, commercials and TV shows. And that was kind of, you know, the doorway. Um, the gateway, if you will. The gateway, if you will. And Alex von Sayer taught me, I owe him a huge debt, and he taught me a tremendous amount about lighting. Mm -hmm. And that, so writing and lighting and telling stories with pictures is what I've done pretty much my whole life from childhood on. Yeah. I like it. I love, my biological father passed away when I was two. So I was raised by my grandparents and people of their age. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they tell stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. And so I love sitting around and hearing stories. It was my favorite thing growing up. <laughs> and then my mother remarried when I was eight, and my stepfather was amazing. And what was fun with my stepfather was I knew how to ask questions that would get him telling stories. <laughs> yeah. And hearing him tell stories from his childhood was just amazing. Yeah. And... So I, you know, I've been around storytelling, and literature, and poetry. That's been a passion and a love of my life since I was a child. So I think that's how I got into it. Yeah, the specifics maybe aren't that important. <laughs> no, I know what you. Yeah, the overall. The summary. The, the logline. The synopsis. Yeah. yeah. The overall impression is more important. A love <laughs> of story. That's all you need. Well, well, all you need is love. All you, all need, you need is, is love. love. Um, <laughs> so we have one more question for you. Oh, one more. No. It is the most bizarre question we ask, but we ask all our guests. It's a requirement. I'm It'll very, make you think about everything I'm you've very, ever thought about ever. very interested What's to hear the first thing answer? you know? Okay. Are you ready? Are you I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. Just jump in straight. Jump in. How much would you sell yourself for? In the situation of someone you don't know who is offering to buy you for whatever price you put on yourself for 24 hours. But and it doesn't... Know. But it, you don't know who's going to buy you, but you have to stick to the price. It doesn't it have to be It doesn't monetary. have to be monetary. What your price is. We've gotten a lot of answers. Including a nickel. You don't know what they're going to do with you. You, you really yeah. don't know. No idea. So it could be immoral or it could be moral. It, yeah. No, no, no ideas. No ideas. Could be anything. Hmm. They could shoot you in a rocket in space. You don't know. But only for 24 hours. But only for 24 yes. hours. And you get to That's... come back and go back to life. Yeah, so. 
for some reason, I keep going to the word freedom. <laughs> <laughs> My price is freedom. Let me be. <laughs> you know, I because I think monetary eh. is too low. Yeah, <laughs> most mm. people do. Is too question. Yeah, I normally come up with something random. My um, sister said that if you fix democracy, she would sell herself for twenty four hours. <laughs> Well, and that's, and that's what I was thinking through is, you know, could I be clever and come up with something that would restrict what they would do? Ooh. Nope. Well, <laughs> if that's my price. Ooh. So your price is the limitations. Well, or could I, could I phrase this in a way, you know, it, mm-hmm. and you said anything. So um, the actual return of Jesus. That's a good one. Like and that's the show. Like that's that it. One. <laughs> that one wins. I, I Professor say. Miller has won the game. Of <laughs> how much would you sell yourself for 24 hours? Because then wait, if Jesus came back, if you if you were if they had to pay before yeah. hand, then then they you would not have to do it. No, well, I, I would mean, still <gasps> I would still he do the it. Game. It's a payment before or after. We never no, actually we never said, said that. that's true. Well, Hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter now, though, because either way, Jesus is coming back. Yeah, yeah. In a Amen, day, whether brother. it's right then or in a day. Yeah. Wow. I like that. Absolutely That's incredible. Amazing. And that is totally the show. <laughs> Becca, do you want to wrap up? Oh, so we can pack up? do I? Thank I you for know. the coffee. Oh, no problem. Absolutely. Thank you for being. Thanks on. for your presence <laughs> in our podcast. your presence has My been a pleasure. pleasure to the show yes thank you thank it you so has. much i really thank you for talking ad nauseum about your life because we really enjoy that uh, yeah that's we why actually, we brought you on that's that's why we have the show yeah <laughs> so it's been a long to con people. to get you on yeah yeah two years you played ago. the long game yeah, yeah. we do and it finally we happened do. All right. Well, if you'd like to drop us a message, we have an Instagram at Pitch About It, and, and uh, we have a, a new logo too. Ooh, go look at that. It's spicy. It is spicy. Um, yeah, we have a Gmail too. So if you want to shoot us an email, at Pitch About It Podcast at Gmail dot com, and yeah, leave us a review because Becca needs the validation, mm-hmm. and, and, and Dylan needs the validation. I don't need validation. I've got audio, Jake. Thanks audio to Jake audio needs Jake. the validation. <laughs> No, I don't. All right, bye. Bye. Professor Miller, you have to say bye. Bye. (laughs) Yay. Good show.